Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. The Tampa Bay Rays, they're defunct. They don't exist anymore? They don't exist anymore. I, I just the decided Red Sox? today. You should, we should make a call and let them know, but I just decided they're out. I would rather watch the like the, the guy, the, 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 paint, the painting guy. Who's the painting Bob guy? Bob Ross. I'd rather watch Bob Ross than watch my favorite baseball team play in Tampa. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. What a matchup. It is bracket season. What a matchup. Your favorite team playing a game in Tampa or Bob Ross painting a lake and a mountain. Give me the lake all day long. <laughs> On WGR Sports Radio 550. Every time I hear that back, I think, again, due respect, how does Bulldog not place the name Bob Ross? Bob, I, I know it's a long time ago, mostly. Although those shows might still be on. He's been dead for many years. His name is like ubiquitous with, with paint, synonymous with painting. Just Bob Ross. The painting guy is what Bulldog had. It's ha- happened to all of us. Happens to me a lot. I blank. I actually, a little inside baseball, the start of today's show, I was trying to think of a name, and I couldn't, and I ran like hell away from it. Uh, we've all been there in this in this business. Mike Shope here. Bulldog is off this week. Nice for him. I love working this week, even though like, my kids are home and it's just different. It's kind of like all a, sort of a quasi-holiday here, extending for a week, but there's so much to talk about. And, I mean, come on, with the end of this NFL season, super good. Mike Giardi joins me now to do more of this here from the Boston Sports Journal. I'm just checking in on Mike's Twitter earlier, and, oh, look at this. We're not alone in this, but we share an admiration for (laughs) Pop-Tarts, I I realize. The trophy's amazing, isn't it? It's fantastic. I mean, I'm jealous. Like, and they're putting one that they said they're going to put two... Uh, actual Pop-Tarts from the top of it, so fantastic. The Pop-Tarts Bowl. You're not a frosted guy, though. No, I like the plain. Maybe my tastes have evolved, but boy, that's when I was a kid, man. Just give me the plain. Straight up, blueberry, <laughs> strawberry, I was good. You're a Pop-Tart purist, Mike, apparently. That's <laughs> yes, that's yes, where I it am. is. This is the Pop-Tarts Bowl, by the way, coming up that uh, Mike and I are excited about. All right, Mike, well, you may or may not remember... One of your several visits to our show before the season where we talked about Bill Belichick's future. Everybody has w- wanted for a long time to talk about that. And you said pretty much words to the effect of if this season happens, he'll be out. Like just matter of factly. And I think, Mike, the way it sounds to me is that that is where we're headed. It certainly feels that way. You know, they're, they're um, a well-sourced reporter, Tom Curran, reported that the ownership had sort of made the decision after the loss in Germany to the Indianapolis Colts, and 
I kind of, I don't want to say walked it back, but it was like basically like it's tw- he used the, the Super Bowl. He said it was 28 to 3. You know, mm. I guess there's, there's always a chance of a comeback, but that's where uh, his sources were sort of telling him this was. And while the Patriots have sort of responded here over the last few weeks, they've won two of their last three, uh, it's still been a colossally disappointing season. And it sure feels like a 31 and 41 over his last 72 games as head coach of the Patriots. That were this any other coach, it'd be a no-brainer. He'd already be gone. But because it's Bill, maybe it's there. there's just that, I don't know, fear of getting rid of him because he might go win somewhere else or just the nostalgia of it that maybe gives him a chance. But I'm, I feel pretty certain that this is the end for him. Do you think there's an argument for keeping him with how the defense is respectable? You know, you're right. I agree with, with when a coach has that record, it's sort of obvious that there's a change coming, but the quarterback stuff can mitigate that or make you question it. Perhaps. Is that a good argument? Well, so look, I, I mean, I think it's clear. Um, and I've written this a number of times, including earlier in the season when people weren't quite ready to do it, that Mac's not the guy. And, you know, we can say there was a million reasons why they got there with Mac. But the fact of the matter is they are there and, you know, it took them a long time to move off of Mac, you know, that to Bailey Zappi, a guy who they caught back in August, you know, there was a stretch right. there uh, around cut down day where they had one quarterback on the roster. Um, but they're here. And I guess that could be, and I know some people have used that as an argument. Well, you know, is there a discussion there? Did, did Kraft say, you've got to play him. We've got to find out whether or not he is in fact the guy or not the guy. And now they have their answer, but, by and large, it's just roster construction. He treats offense like, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, he still, let's put it this way. He still views the game in the three parts in the, and yeah. that they're equals. He, nobody spends more money on special teams, although nobody spends more money on special teams, but I believe the Patriots are 31st in DVOA. That's a, the nerd stat in terms of special teams play. So you've invested all these resources in, in something that's very much, you know, not nearly the part of the game as it used to be. They continue to sort of take things away special teams-wise, the league that that is, and you're still terrible at it. So I don't know. I just you haven't seen a ton of development of some of those guys, especially on offense. And it just, again, it's four and a half years. We're going back to the middle of Tom Brady's last season, which started off 8-0 but finished – four and five including a playoff loss i uh, haven't won a playoff game since they won the super bowl five years ago like it's <laughs> there's there's a lot of damning evidence against him yeah uh hat tip to aaron shots the new england roots the dvoa uh yeah. by the way you know now that you say that about special teams i'm remembering that belichick is the first person who i remember hearing predict basically the end of the kickoff and so even more curious to see New England spend like that the way I hadn't re- realized that, but he sort of he seemed to see it coming that at least kickoffs and kickoff returns would be sort of phased out. Yep, and he's I think they have seven strictly special teams players, and obviously that goes beyond just a punter, kicker, long snapper. But in terms of there are guys on the active game day roster that that's all they do. They don't get defensive snaps. Chris Boer, Brendan Schooler, Matthew Slater. Those guys are strictly special teams only. And, okay, well, look, if you have an advantage there, if you're telling me, and they did recover a, a, a muff kick for a touchdown against Denver, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that was more about what Denver did than what, me too. than what the Patriots did. But, like, if you're telling me that that gives you an advantage and that you're 
you're consistently winning the battle there and it's giving you a slight edge, okay, but they're not, and they haven't for three years now. So to continue to invest in it, again, as the league gets further and further away from it, just it speaks to a sort of an old-school way of thinking. And one of the words that I've heard thrown around by people inside the building about, you know, the potential future here is the word modernize has come up quite a bit. Modernize the franchise, modernize the organization. And I ask you, can you modernize the organization when your coach is 71, going to be 72 next year, and look, he's still sharp. I'm not, I'm not doubting that part of it, but just in terms of the way he thinks about football, uh, especially offensive football and special teams, doesn't seem to jive with the way the rest of the league has gone for a number of years now. Right. With Mike Giardi, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like You get this once in a while in sports where it's like basically a legend and you want to see if he can adapt and it's it's hard for me to settle on that he just like doesn't know what a good player looks like, right? I mean, it's sort of counterintuitive or something. There's cognitive dissonance in play when you yeah. think about like, how Tyquan Thornton as a draft pick. That's the thing that maybe traps him when it comes to Mac Jones. Is like, well, it's his. It's he's the guy picking the players, and there have been many curious to be nice draft picks over uh, recent years. Do you think, Mike, the, is is Belichick defiant? To you, like, is is he somebody who's nope? I'm good. This I'm right, and I guess maybe evidently because he's drafting the players he is and doing things the way he is. Um, is that a is that a fair word for him? Yeah, I think so. You know, there was a clip that that surfaced a number of years ago. I want to say like six or seven years ago, and it was Urban Meyer of all people mm-hmm. uh, talking about how in conversations with Bill that Bill told him he'd gotten to the point in his coaching career where he just wanted to coach with people that he liked and coach players that he liked, wow. which is an interesting thing, which you can probably get away with when Tom Brady's at the height of his powers. And he was still at the height of his powers at 37, 38, when this conversation was being had. And you sort of look at some of the decisions that they've made. Um, like for instance, you know, Nikhil Harry was the first round pick by in 2019. I don't even think he's in the league now or he was, he was kicking around on, a couple teams practice squads, but I'm not even sure he's there anymore. You know, four years removed from being a first round pick. And one of the things that you heard about uh, Nikhil was like, Oh, great, great kid. Just like an awesome kid. And you watch the tape, like there was production there, but like he wasn't super fast. I didn't have great hands. And guess what? You kind of need at least one of those things. If you're going to make it in the league, especially as a first round pick, Um, you know, Julian Edelman, who didn't use uh, Nikhil's, name by name, but, but mentioned the idea, like, you know, you just know, you see guys on the field and like, especially when it comes to first round picks, high picks, you, you just, there's something that jumps out about them. and makes you say, Oh, I see what, why. And without using Nikhil's name, he was like, eh, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he was just a guy, you know, built like an Adonis, but like couldn't play football. And, you know, it quickly proved to be true. And there's just a bunch of, of cases like that with the way that they have gone about their roster build, especially again on the offensive side, that, that make you wonder, like, is he ever going to grasp it? You know, like the, some of the success they had, like he let Josh McDaniels kind of do his own thing. Like he would turn his back on the offense and sometimes just go talk to the defense because he had faith in, in Josh. But that relationship was almost 20 years old. Um, you know, this year, Bill, Bill O'Brien's got great experience, obviously, but they hadn't worked together since 2011. So I, I think it's, you know, he hasn't had that sort of freedom that, that McDaniels did in previous years. 
And then in between, last year was just super weird at mm-hmm. coordinator with Judge and Patricia, right? Like, just what are you doing? Um, that Nikhil Harry is a better example than Tyquan Thornton. They're both fair enough, but like Nikhil Harry's the last pick of the first round off a Super Bowl win and picked in the second round that year. AJ Brown, Debo, um, Metcalf was in the third round. Metcalf, like, Deontay yeah. Johnson. Oh yeah. boy, that's yeah. There's a, there's a lot of guys that you can point to and just say, man, if he had just done that instead of this which I know every team can do when you're talking about the draft, but like, I don't know, physically those guys had talents that showed up that people could say, Oh my God, like DK six, four and is running a four, three forty. Like yeah. he doesn't have to run the full route tree. He can just go deep every play or run a, you know, deep in cut. And because of the physicality, he's going to be a productive player in the league. You know, that, that, that's not something that was easy to project with Nikhil. And, you know, obviously uh, I think he had about 30 catches here and, before he he was sent packing, but he couldn't run that three cone drill, Mike uh, Metcalf. He couldn't run that three <laughs> cone drill. Uh, might, might have cost him a first round status anyway. Probably. Mike Giardi with us, Boston Sports Journal. I'm Mike Shope. Bulldog is off this week. Are you into the idea that Zappy could be good? No. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll say this for him, and I think one of the reasons why. You know, I I said that Mac was done after the Saints game. That was week five. I felt going into that after the loss to Dallas, that was the biggest game of his career. And he immediately throws an interception on the first drive at pick six. And, like, they don't score any points. And it was dreadful. The the locker room had – they don't dislike him, but they they looked at him and, like, he's not it. Mm -hmm. And so I got guys in the locker room telling me, like, we know that he's not, like, he's not going to elevate. And so they were kind of in at that mode, like anybody but Mac. And I think what you're seeing a little bit here with Zappy is that sort of, you know, sort of the interim coach, the boost you get. I think you're getting a boost here with Zappy. That said, I'll give him credit because I think there is, um, he's got a little gunslinger in him, mm-hmm. and he moves pretty well in the pocket. So he's not afraid to like that. Th- all of a sudden, they have a they've. We've got a lot more explosive plays over the last three weeks because Mac just wouldn't even throw those balls. Zappy's taking chances, and some of them have paid off. You know, he hit Devontae Parker on a couple back shoulder 50-50 balls against Denver, uh, you know, kind of stepped up and slid in the pocket and hit Pop Douglas for a 42-yarder where it was, you know, Pop made a great catch, but it was also like the ability to sort of create that play and keep his eyes downfield. And I don't know whether – you know, had Mac been better protected early in the year, then maybe he would have been able to to do that. But I think he got beat up so badly that any time he saw color from an opposing uniform, the head went down. You know, he, he just he didn't see what was happening down the field. And Zappi doesn't have that PTSD right now. So right. Uh, he's been fair slinging it. And, I mean, he did it without Hunter Henry last week. Uh, well, not that Juju's been anything good for them, but Juju wasn't in the lineup either. So, like, he didn't have his full complement of guys and still was able to to produce in a tough environment in Denver. Yeah, so two things for me. Like on Zappi, I want to I assume that a backup, especially one with like out any draft status, you know, any sort of status that would kind of guarantee him other chances in his career, would play like that. Like this is my shot. And I, I'm just not going to dump it off all the time because I'll never have a job in this league. I got I got to take my shots. And so this makes sense. Jones sort of baffled me in one way. Never seemed like the high the high ceiling guy, especially, you know, we, we'd compare him with Allen, 
and you know it's just yeah. not even close. Yeah, but yeah, but when he threw the pick in Germany late uh, in the end zone. And then there was a pick against the Giants, you'll probably remember as well, over the middle. There were just like incredibly bad throws and decisions. Like, okay, well, game manager isn't even it here because this guy's killing them. It's a great point. And I I think I wrote it a number of times and said it on different stops. Like for for a guy whose chief two skills coming out of Alabama were his accuracy and his intelligence for the game he made more dumb throws for a quote-unquote smart player than I can recall. Like, just mind-numbingly stupid decisions. You cross body from the right hash to the outside the numbers against on the opposite sideline against Dallas that got picked off. Like, things that, like, in a million years, if you know your flaws or you know your weaknesses, and his weakness, one of them is obvious, he doesn't have – he probably has at best an average on, but probably slightly below average – you can't do that. Like, those are the kinds of throws that even Josh and Pat Mahomes or guys like that will attempt, and sometimes they don't go right. Well, those guys have howitzers. You've got a pea gun, what, you know, pea shooter. What, what are you doing? And it was consistent like that every week. There were throws where you just go, what, what, what was he doing? And, you know, internally it just <laughs> it created a lot of tension because, you know, I think and, – and Bill would say it, Bill O'Brien would say it, just like – we got to take care of the football. We're not, you know, this league is the margins are so slim, even, you know, when you're a good team playing a bad team, that if you're going to do those kinds of things, you're not going to win. And that's a second guess here. You know, what if they'd gone to Zappy earlier? What would, would they be a 500 team right now? Would they be like one game under 500 and still sort of in the mix for a playoff spot? I think that's, I think there are a lot of other problems that went beyond that. So I, I don't think that's the case, but it's certainly something that's been brought up here quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. The way I am, like I would want to, I would want to have seen Malik Cunningham, who's no longer with the Patriots, you know, kind of a curiosity out of Louisville. But, um, you know, in Buffalo for all those years where the bills missed Mike, um, it's easy to say stuff like that. I've been here that long. Like just put the, just shot. Uh, what would wildcat Miami when yeah. they, they, unleash the wildcat offense and you got nothing to lose right i mean and a coach can really hit a home run with that if if it goes right but maybe not for belichick you know probably seeing it as, as stooping to a certain new low level of like gimmicky stuff so at least you know we're gonna if we're gonna lose we're gonna lose more traditionally and i don't know if cunningham is even good but i know that the, the patriots sort of dabbled with him and i, I sort of like the idea of him but now i think he's with baltimore yeah he is he's with baltimore and i actually talked to someone i know well in baltimore and was like uh, this dude can't throw very well. And I think that was sort mm. of how they viewed him viewed him here. And it was one of sort of the arguments I had with people like, you know, well, they got to give him a chance because they saw him have a good quarter against the Houston Texans in the first week of the preseason. <laughs> um, and, look, we all remember what he did in college, a phenomenal college player. But it, it just, I don't know, you think he's got a long way to go as a passer. But right. I, I see your point there that that's not something – that Belichick would stoop to. And in fact, as I go over like my, my 20 something years of the memory banks, the only time I can really remember Belichick doing something completely outlandish offensively was that playoff game against Baltimore or Gillette stadium when they were using the, they were messing with the linemen and who's eligible and who wasn't eligible. And they were, it was legal, but like that was break glass in case of emergency. And, and that was, we're down two scores in a playoff game when we think we have a Super Bowl team we need something and that's what they went to. And it obviously led them back into the game and, and they won that game. But it, it, to you, to your point, like larger point, 
those those recollections of things like that are are few and far between. Perhaps the is bitterest a word or the most bitter betting loss of my life. I oh. loved Baltimore <laughs> that night, fourteen nothing. Like, oh, this is they because they they were the rare franchise that would actually win there. Yeah. In the playoffs too, and just seemed like I had it. But I was I was with John Harbaugh. I'm I, out by the numbers, screaming at the officials like, "Come on, you got to put a stop to this." Um, we were sitting in the press box, going like, you know, because you, you're 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 not the sound on. You're you're watching the game live, and you're like, "I don't I don't get it." I'm trying to like people are like, "Oh, what's the rule? Like, what's the rule?" You're trying to figure out what's happening as it was happening in real time. And the you know, crowd's going bananas, and Harbaugh's losing his mind, and their players are losing their mind. And meanwhile, the Patriots are just kind of chuckling, like, "This is bulletproof, man. We're doing the right thing." Yeah. Well, they they were uh, they were rewarded. Uh, Mike, before you go, here are the Bills making this late push. Everybody thinks they're dangerous, and they need this win over New England. I mean, probably. Are the Patriots dangerous? Of course, they have a win over the Bills this year. Is there like a nothing-to-lose sort of vibe with New England? Maybe some confidence from the first meeting? How do you see it? Yeah, I would say all of those things. I would say there's confidence from the first meeting. I would say there is um, there is a, a strong rivalry here that obviously hasn't necessarily played out in terms of the Patriots dominated for 20 years, and now the Bills have kind of dominated the last three or four but I don't think either side likes losing to one another. And so for the Patriots in this season, it's 4-11, and 11, where there's nothing to play for except ruining your draft position at this point, which is what the fans wanted, you know, but mm-hmm. they don't care about in the building. Um, beating Buffalo would be, you know, akin to their Super Bowl this year. I mean, they, they, they would love to um, stick it in Sean's face, Josh's face, whatever, um, and and beat them and and be the spoiler and that's something they've talked about over the last three or four weeks you know embraced it when they were in Pittsburgh like hey let's keep this team down and let's keep them you know when they look back on their season and say how did we not make the playoffs they're going to look at us and say well how did we lose that game and you know they they played hard against the Chiefs the first half was a very competitive first half like there's there's been yeah. moments certainly where they feel and now they just they they, they ended Russell Wilson's career in Denver so. Yeah. There's definitely a, a point of um, of trying to like, hey, let's go up there and let's shut up the people at Orchard Park, and let's walk out there with just us, and you know, and get it done. And you know, they have some confidence certainly from the from the way the meeting went here at Gillette Stadium. I was about to say that about Wilson too, and even Trubisky maybe the week before. Like you, you're a defense, and they make a quarterback change the next week on the team you just played. You probably feel some satisfaction because Wilson is not coming out if they win. I mean, if they're still they're they're still yeah. in it, Denver. So he would be starting this week, I think, if if they had won that game. Very good, Mike. This has been really nice. Uh, happy holidays to you, and enjoy your trip up. Same to you. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Mike. Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, Bills and Patriots Sunday at one. How about that one? The last one o'clock game was the other New England game, which was in October. That's incredible. We'll see about next week. It's one thing we talked about yesterday. We still have to know what happens this week in terms of the schedule for Week 18, but right now every game on the schedule for Week 18 is listed as 1 o'clock Sunday, and several will not be 1 o'clock Sunday games. Two will move to Saturday. One will move to Sunday night, and I would think at least three Others, maybe several more, would go to 4 o'clock. Sometimes that week 18, they put a big chunk of games in the 4 o'clock window. Depends on, like, they, they try to avoid 
having teams where one team needs to know how another did playing separately because you don't want to give the league doesn't want to give that team an advantage. So just like when the Bills made the playoffs the first time to break the drought, they put Buffalo Miami at four and they put the Baltimore game at four. Like if who was in if the Bills had lost? Was the was it the Ravens? So you put one of those games at one o'clock, it could change how you look at the four o'clock game. Hope that made sense. Let's uh, talk some more. 803-0550 is the number. I've got playoff picture takes. I've got odds. And I want to talk about the MVP because it's been a really interesting year for that. I tweeted this morning about Allen's chances, and I got a pretty wide range of responses. So I want to look at that, too, and talk about that a little bit some more. I've got a couple hours here, just you and I, before Sabres pregame. Paul Hamilton will... Kick that off for us at 630. 803-0550 to call in. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Josh Allen has 40 total touchdowns right now. Does that mean he's the MVP of the league? No, it does not. He's accounted for 83% of his team's touchdowns. 83. No QB is more important to their team right now than Josh Allen is to the Buffalo Bills. So you can argue whatever you want to argue. You can walk off because when you walk off, that means you don't have the power to make a conscious argument. Richard Sherman, Keyshawn Johnson walked off. I have no, literally no idea what the name of this show would be. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. But there's a show with Richard Sherman and Keyshawn Johnson on it where they probably argue every every day. Um, what should it be called? Walk out. Every day, somebody can walk out. I feel like I'm sounding insulting toward Richard Sherman. I don't mean to be because um, I respect him. And I have no opinion on Keyshawn Johnson. I mean, walking out is probably a good move. Like I said that one day when we had dead air, I don't know if enough radio programming people appreciate how effective dead air can be. If I'm listening to WGR, not that this happens often, but it goes dead, 
I I gotta I gotta sit in my car for as long as it takes before it comes back. So the walkout strategy uh, could have been effective there. That's not the you know the point. The issue. So the MVP. What do you think? Eight oh three oh five fifty. Who should win? Who will win? Both. The issue I have with Richard Sherman's argument is not about whether Allen is the most valuable quarterback to his team in the league. It's that I don't think that's how I would look at the award. But the problem then is you have to concede an imbalance in importance, quarterback versus other positions. And I don't mind that. When I tweeted about the MVP this morning, a few people came back at me with a broken award, a dumb award, things like that. I don't know. I kind of I like it. I I don't is this bad? I don't want the best left guard in the league to have a chance to win the MVP. Because there's no world in which the left guard is more important to the team's outcome, the season's outcome than the quarterback. So maybe the Patriots have the best left guard in the league. I don't even know. But they're 4 and 11 and they could and they are 4 and 11. So value it's always debatable. I don't end up comparing Allen's importance to the Bills with Lamar Jackson's importance to the Ravens with Jalen Hurts' importance to the Eagles. They're all great, and there are half dozen other quarterbacks that maybe you could call great. And Burrow and Cincinnati, you know, those teams are pretty much dead if they're if they're out. Cincinnati has held on with Jake Browning. Then they went to Pittsburgh and got crushed. Like you're on borrowed time when you swap out the elite quarterback for the replacement level quarterback or below. And every fan knows that. And that's just not how it is at other positions. So you can't, you know, convince me anyway, that with the exception of a couple of players, perhaps in career years or just like record breaking years, that the quarter the the MVP award should go to someone other than a quarterback. So those are just a couple of my feelings about it and maybe every sports fan or every voter has a somewhat or slightly different interpretation of it. I think an argument that Allen has been the best quarterback in the NFL this season is fine. There are different ways you can analyze that whether you use stats or wins or just different different metrics, turnovers, like the different things that come up. Again, it's a really it's a great bar debate. And if you told me Allen has had the best season of any quarterback in the league, I would not fight you. I think that that is that is reasonable. I think it can be said of Jackson too. I think it can be said of Prescott, too. For me, those are the three quarterbacks this year that have done the best job. They've all had bad days. Their teams are all about the same. Well, the Bills are the lowest at 9-6, and six, but they're close enough. The, the team performance is close enough and is maybe not the most important thing for evaluating an individual award. MVP in the NFL, quarterback winning means a lot. This is why 
it seemed to me, it occurred to me today that Allen might be frozen out from the MVP because Baltimore plays Miami this week. Here's why I say that. If the Ravens win that game against a good opponent in a huge spot, no matter how they do it. I mean, they've won games this year already where Jackson didn't light it up. He's not always like the lighted up quarterback anyway. If if they win that game against Miami and clinch the one seed, he's already the favorite. His lead for the voting probably will increase. Then they will take next week off, and it's over, I think. Unless Christian McCaffrey runs for 200 yards in every game or both games left. The, the problem there is... If San Francisco wins this week, they can take next week off and preserve McCaffrey, which they might do. You could have the MVP race essentially be over Sunday because Baltimore and San Francisco, who are sporting the two leading favorites for the award, could end up clinching the one seed in their respective conferences this week. So then what happens? Then what am I going to do in week 18 if Baltimore wins, uh, yes, the Bills are playing for the AFC East. Maybe that's the better chance Allen has. And I say that because of this. If Miami wins this week, the Bills can't win the division. And I would not expect the MVP award, the voters, to turn to a quarterback whose team was a wild card team. That's a better debate for next week. If Miami wins, or, uh, right, Baltimore wins. No, or, where do they end up there? Okay, okay. Baltimore wins, and Jackson is sort of in the clubhouse. And then Allen, well, actually, i got to figure out which is the better debate. Which is the better scenario for Josh Allen to win the MVP? Help me out. Baltimore wins. Jackson is already the favorite. He could have another game where his stats are good, not amazing. And they have the one seed clinched. They sit him next week, maybe. And is it over, like I said before, if that happens? Or can Allen win it, winning in Miami, maybe two great games here. They win the AFC East. Could that be, is that an easier path for Allen than Miami wins in Baltimore? The AFC East is clinched. The Bills are only playing for a wild card next week. Yeah. I guess I have to say Allen's better chance is if the Ravens beat the Dolphins because I just don't think the the MVP award will be given to a a quarterback of a wild card team. Do you agree? That's where I've been at probably the last few weeks is just I and I I would even go past just saying wild card team. I don't know if a bottom 2 division winner can win it. It just it doesn't feel right. The last few years, it's constantly felt like the, the the best team's best player, quarterback, wins the award. So I think for Allen, it would take Baltimore beating Miami with Jackson having a like okay game, bad game or an okay game where like that's kind of the story is Tua threw it away. Lamar wasn't that much better, and then Allen, you know, blowing out the Patriots. Maybe you know Diggs has like another three touchdown game where you know it's all over the next day, and then he beats Tua and they're the two seed. I think then you have a real argument for Allen. But it's 
Lamar, it, I, I think he's already like at minus odds already. Yep, so like, it, like that's the thing. It's just he's already kind of up front. And as you pointed out too, like if they win against Miami, he's probably not playing Week 17, or he plays like a half or a quarter. Right. So it's just it, it feels like you need. I mean, the Bills have needed this for a few weeks now, just for the playoff odds. But you need a few things to go right, and then the Bills need to perform, or Allen needs to perform for it to even happen. That goes without saying. I think the point. It's just you know. It's not necessarily how it will go, but the idea that the winner will have to be from a team that won its division, I think, for me, that comes from watching week to week the odds change with respect to the NFC East, the quarterbacks in the NFC East, Prescott and Hurts, where Hurts was the leader. He might have been the favorite. Of the two, he was ahead in the odds, and then Dallas beat the Eagles, and Prescott moved ahead, and then the Bills beat Dallas, and Purdy moved ahead because they'd beaten the Eagles and the Cowboys, both by a lot. And so your team loses. It's been that kind of year. It's been compared to the Heisman for this, which I didn't follow as closely, but that every week something would happen, and the guy on the top, would his team would lose, and he would fall. And now you had Purdy not only lose Sunday night, but throw four, or Monday night, throw four picks, and so he's down the list. I think Jackson is a heavy favorite if the Ravens win Sunday. Unless Allen can just sort of be so dominant and the Bills win the two games and take the division that there's a door open for him. That's a really interesting debate that week, though, if, if that's what we get. And if uh, Miami wins this week, I don't know. Um, McCaffrey. I do think, one more point and then a, a phone call. I do think, and I've said this many times, talking to Aaron Schatz, who has a vote, I think voters may want to vote for a non-quarterback. They just want there to be a year where they can afford to do it or take the chance of doing it. Because I think if I were a voter, I wouldn't want people to accuse me of ignoring everybody, every other position. So Christian McCaffrey is great, maybe the best player on his team, maybe the best team in the league. I could justify that if I had a vote. Greg is next. Hi, Greg. Hey, uh, a great debate. I think the biggest thing for Allen is Allen and um, Lamar is they both face two a back-to-back. If statistically <laughs> Allen blows the statistics that Lamar get, does against Miami specifically out the water, it's like a direct competition of, of who's worth more in that scenario. And then the last thing we're going to remember is is probably Lamar sitting that week and Allen doing that to Tua, out out playing Lamar against the same competition in back to back weeks, and it's not like the statistics are close. He's leading them by 16 touchdowns right now in overall touchdowns. I mean that's a huge number. I mean, and he's not leading the league in anything. So I think if they if Allen outplays them specifically against Miami, puts up five touchdowns as opposed to Lamar's two. And that and that gap of touchdown gets greater. I think Allen has a chance because Lamar's kind of already taken it over the running back and Tyreek Hill, so it's kind of like going to a quarterback, and then Allen can can show out by blowing him out out the water with statistics, hmm. touchdown specifically against the same opponent. You know, it's going to be the last thing everybody remembers, and that's you know that's how the NFL is. So I think Allen has a real good shot at it this year I, if he puts up three or four in each game. Yeah, interesting. I. Guess I didn't think about that Miami head-to-head sort of point, but I like it. The touchdowns are tough for me. I mean, Jackson, when the Bills have the like, Allen is running for touchdowns like crazy. Like he has thirteen 
Hertz has 15, by the way. The NFL record was 14 for a quarterback before Monday when Hertz passed Cam Newton. So you've got two guys there that are the, the Allen is the Bills goal line back. Jalen Hurts is the quintessential of all time quarterback goal line back, maybe even more than Newton. And Jackson, for all his prowess as a runner, is not. Gus Edwards is the Ravens goal line back. If I'm not saying he'd be as good at it. Jackson's different as a runner than the other two guys. But the Ravens have a guy that's like automatic inside the three in the same way that Allen and Hurts are, and that's Gus Edwards. So But that's what's fun about it. I mean, somebody else could make can point to a different stat and on and on. It can you know, you can end up on fumes, but it's it's fun right now. And Allen is in it. I think again, the possibility that Jackson will not play in week eighteen might really help him in this if that's the scenario that we get. And they're playing the Steelers who are awful on Jackson. Like, he has just... Every Steelers-Ravens game is 16-15. That's my, that's my one joke. Like, it's just always hard for the Ravens against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh could have life. I don't know. Like, coaches always have different philosophies about that. But I, I think there could be sort of an outrage, not like a massive one, but if Jackson were the favorite and then didn't win after not playing... Uh, that could be that would be a, a, a topic. Also, I gotta say, the odds don't necessarily reflect how the voters will vote. It's not a stats race, you know. It's the the favorite at the end of week eighteen does not automatically or necessarily win. So um, there could be like the the betting markets are thinking this team's all the things I've been saying. This team's in first place. That team just lost. And the odds shift, money spent on those odds are what shifts all that, but the voters aren't betting on it, right? They're, I doubt they'd be allowed. The voters aren't betting on it, and they might have their own perception, they would, on like, all right, well, who's better if it gets to be sort of a one-on-one, 1v1 with uh, Jackson and Allen? Thank you, Greg. 803-0550 for your calls. Getting connected with our fans brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Who wins the NFL MVP? Who should? And should it be quarterbacks only or almost only quarterbacks who are considered? Lines open. Mike Shope here, WGR. Welcome back. Happy holidays. Open phones through until pregame show at 630. Sabres and Bruins downtown tonight. Mike Shope here. Bulldog is off this week. I said this earlier before Mike. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. He already came on, and wasn't that a really interesting conversation about Bill Belichick and the future of the Patriots, and a little bit about the present in this game Sunday, but how, um, you know, it's a it's a tempting week to take off if, if you're lucky enough to do it with kids home. And like in my case, my, my kids are home this week from school. They're 14 and 12. My wife is mostly off this week. Like there would have been potential to do a, some kind of road trip or something like that. The weather is certainly not a problem uh, for that. We have a puppy, though, and so that probably would have kept us home. Anyway, I do this more years than not. Bulldog takes this week, and I got to I gotta say, like I love this week. I love the playoff picture stuff. This year, MVP is great. The Bills are right in the perfect situation for discussion. Like They don't have anything clinched. We could have them clinch and have, have us talking about Will they actually go undefeated or sit guys, you know, for two? We don't have that, but they're in good shape to make it. They're a huge favorite Sunday, and you have Dolphins, Ravens, which so much rides on. So it's really good. And even just today in the NFL, you had the Broncos benching Russell Wilson because they don't want to have to commit to paying him guaranteed money that they already aren't committed to paying him. And that's another interesting debate. Because you kind of work in sports off the premise that if players are healthy, teams will use their best guys. And the Broncos are intentionally not doing that so that they can save money. Hmm. It's not like Wilson's been good. But there's no argument here that he's not better than Jarrett Stidham. The Broncos have been in it. And they had opportunities this year to pull Russell Wilson for Jarrett Stidham. They could have done it. I like Stidham a little bit. They could have done it. But they didn't. So they've demonstrated they think Wilson is the better player. Anyway, he's sitting because of his contract. And, you know, there's an argument for fighting against that. Like, really, we as, as fans, consumers, you're paying to watch games. You're going to games. You expect your team to start their best guys. It reminds me of talking about Peyton Manning's Colts when they would sit guys late in the season. Like, what about the people who bought tickets? They're getting Jim... Sorgi, is that his name? Um, I, I like that conversation always. And then you have Jair Alexander, who was being suspended by the Packers for a game for last week, running out onto the field to call the coin toss, even though he was not a captain and it was expected that he would do that. He just did it on his own. He's from Charlotte. And he seemed to be offended that he wasn't picked as a captain for this game. Coach didn't know I was from Charlotte. The game was in Charlotte. And he calls, like, the, the, he wins, the, he calls Tails, of course, because Tails never fails. And then he says, We want to be on defense. And the referee, who'd been told already by Matt LaFleur that they'd want to defer, you never have a team, almost never have a team say they want to be on defense. If, if that were the call, the other team would get the ball to start both halves. They would pick a side. Green Bay would kick to them, and then they would also get the choice in the second half, and they would take the ball in the second half. So that's what Alexander risked by saying what he said. The referee, though, was confused and gave him an out 
and he took it, but the Packers didn't like it. So he's he's suspended. The Packers are facing Justin Jefferson this week, and they're not dead in the playoff race, and they've suspended one of their best guys. That'd be we'd be hot over that too. 803-0550. Who wins the MVP? Who should? The playoff picture, the Bills and the Patriots, the Dolphins and the Ravens are so much. Would love to talk about it with you. I'm here until the pregame show, and then, you know, of course, I'll host that too. Tonight, lines are open. This is Mike Shope. Bulldog is off this week. Thanks for listening to WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.